Hi, this is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. Since 1934, Churches of Christ have proclaimed God's Word through International Gospel Hour. Please stay tuned for another lesson on this program by Jeff Archie. Are you listening? Thank you, Jay, and greetings, everyone, to you and yours. I love to sing the song with little children that says, My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. He is big, strong, and mighty, the Almighty. He is great. The psalmist said in Psalm 138, verse 5, Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. The Hebrew writer asked a question in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Let's talk about God's great salvation in a moment. Before we do that, dear friends, as we're talking about salvation today, there is nothing more important for our lives than our salvation. We at the International Gospel Hour not only offer a free Bible study course by mail, but our friends at the World Bible School offer an online study, should you prefer. It also is absolutely free. All you do is go to worldbibleschool.org and register. You will be provided a study helper who can answer questions and provide feedback for your lessons. This is an awesome opportunity to study online. And again, this is a free online study at worldbibleschool.org. Please sign up today. And now, as we talk about the great salvation of God, let's consider our lesson text of Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we read as follows. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those that heard Him? May the Lord always bless us with the reading, the hearing, and the application of His Word. Dear friends, as we consider this text today, let's go back to Hebrews 2 and verse 1 and note the following. We are to give heed to what we hear, or in other words, listen carefully to what is being said. Not only do we give heed, but we give hold to what we hear. Latch on to it. Notice the reason, lest we drift away. You know, dear friends, in life we have this thing going on and that thing going on, and sometimes we look up and these things have taken us away from God and we have drifted from the great salvation. Please keep in mind, dear friends, this is written to Christians. Notice what is penned later in Hebrews 3 and verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Don't neglect what God has given Neglecting causes one to drift away from the great salvation. When we look at this word great, it is used especially in a couple of other places that stand forth the greatness of God's salvation. It gives us a little bit of an indication. 
In James 3 and verse 4, the word great there is used in reference to the ships, that we are reminded of the greatness of the size of a huge ship steered by a very small helm. The word presents so great or massive like a ship. This word brings forth that explanation. It is tremendous. So when we think about the great salvation, it's like look at the massive size of salvation. In reference to God's revenge upon the wicked, we see a great earthquake as depicted in Revelation 16.18. The word great presents such power that this great salvation can shake one, if you will, thus making a distinct difference in one's life. The great salvation we see, it's of massive size, bigger, better than anything imaginable, and how indeed that great salvation as we study it should shake us toward obedience. You know, an earthquake doesn't leave things the same as it was found. How tragic it is to see large earthquakes damage throughout the world. Dear friends, the great salvation will damage sin. It tears it down. It it depicts it to where it is nothing but rubbish because of what God offers in return that we may save our souls through the obedience of His will. With this in mind, dear friends, may we be thankful for a great salvation. And it's great because of what we see. Number one, It is a great salvation because it has a great author. In Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. The author of eternal salvation. How beautiful. Jesus is the writer, the printer. And oh, how we need to heed what he has written, and how we need to be a chapter written by that author. In Ephesians 3, 10 and 11, the Bible says, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you catch that? The eternal purpose salvation in Christ that he purposed or affirmed in Christ Jesus our Lord. It was accomplished in Christ. When we look upon Christ as a great author, we see that he purposed in Christ. God purposed or accomplished in Christ and the author who is Christ. Dear friends, purposed in Christ and printed by Christ, he is the author, none other And would to God all would be in His book of life, as we read in Revelation 20 and verse 12. To which I would say, sign off on my soul, dear Lord. Be the author of eternal salvation. And note this now, dear friends. He will become the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. So, dear friends, the great salvation Ask for our obedience, to accept it, to be obedient, and to do what we are to do. And when we do so, Jesus Christ is our author. He signs off. He's written our book. He's placed us in His book. And to God be the glory. Number two. 
Let's talk about the great salvation as we see a great Redeemer. If we will, dear friends, He signed it and He bound it in His blood that redeems the lost mankind. For example, there are times when, in the state of which I live, that I am asked to perform a wedding. And in so doing, I talk with couples and will share with them a certificate that they can take and get their license. And if they take this certificate based upon their premarital counseling, they are able to get a discount on their license. Well, dear friends, I've always had to get a notary to stamp that to approve that that was done and that it is valid. When you think about Christ as the great Redeemer, when He signed the book, He notarized it. He affirmed it through the shedding of His blood. The blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin, Hebrews 10.4. It took the blood of Christ to redeem the lost. That's why Paul could say in Ephesians 1 and verse 7, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood." the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. To where Peter would write in 1 Peter 1, verses 18-20, through 20, Forasmuch as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. It took the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ to make that great difference. And when Jesus shed His blood, He became our great Redeemer. I love to sing hymns that talk about redemption in Christ. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child, and forever I am. Oh, how we can also sing about the blood of Christ, that I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, filled with the Holy Spirit I am, and all of my sins are washed away. I have been redeemed. How blessed we are. And then as we consider this, dear friends, let's pause here for a moment and let me ask, would you love to know more about Jesus, the great Redeemer, who gives victory to those that obey Him? I mentioned earlier of our online study through the World Bible School. Well, we have a special study we would like to mail to you. It's in one booklet titled, Victory in Jesus, and it is absolutely free. Here's all you do. Please call us toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave us your name, your address, and just say, Victory Study. That's all you have to do. Again, call us toll-free at one 855 IGH 6988, and please leave your name, your address, and just say Victory Study. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the contact tab, and leave us the same information. Again, it's just your name, your address, and type Victory Study. We will send it as soon as possible. We really appreciate our listeners joining us here on the International Gospel Hour and we truly appreciate your interest in the things of Christ. And now, dear friends, let us continue our thoughts on the great salvation. We have noticed already from Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 3, that we do not need to neglect so great salvation. 
because the great salvation has a great author, that is Jesus Christ, a great Redeemer, who is Jesus Christ. But thirdly, He is a great intercessor. He signs one off, if you will. He signs, and He's the author of our book. He redeems us. He buys us back, and we're His, and now He intercedes. Dear friends, the thought of Jesus as our intercessor is such a wonderful assurance to the child of God. It was prophesied in the Old Testament as we read from Isaiah 53 and verse 12, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. How beautiful it is to read these wonderful words from Isaiah 53 and verse 12. He made intercession for us. He was the go-between. He went on behalf of us. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 21 speaks that He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin. As this was prophesied in the old, it is evident in the new. Hebrews 7 and verse 25 says, Speaking of Christ, Therefore He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. In Romans 8 and verse 34, the question is, Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. I am so thankful that Christ is on the right hand of the Father. I am so blessed to be assured of that each and every day. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 says, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake unto us in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And then he goes on to elaborate more in verses 3 and 4 of Hebrews 1, and we're reminded where he is sat down on the right hand of the Father. The idea of the right hand is a sign of authority. And Christ being on the right hand of the Father, that when we pray through the Son to the Father, He makes intercession for us. He pleads for us. He can look at the Father and He can say, for that soul there, I signed His book. I am His author. I have written His story in me. I have written it as His Redeemer. It's in the blood. And that is the ink of which I sign off on a life that is for Him. I have redeemed Him, and I am interceding on His behalf to the Father, and I am so thankful. It stands out even more, friends, how God is the great salvation, how God provides the great salvation, but also how Jesus Christ Himself, as He walked on this earth as a man, as Paul said in Philippians 2, verses 5 and following, He took upon Himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He knows exactly what we go through. He knows what we face. He is able to aid and to help us as we're encouraged when we read Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. 
I am so thankful that He is on the right hand of the Father. That tells me how big God's salvation is and how powerful it is. And dear friends, I do not want to walk away from that great salvation that's in Christ Jesus. Let's notice also next that there is a great fellowship. Dear friends, there are others that embrace this great salvation. And these others that embrace this great salvation, it's called the church. You know, as we look in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, the Bible tells us how they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And then, as one continues to read out of Acts chapter 2, it makes you want to go back to that day. Listen to verse 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and gave them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Dear friends, how beautiful this writing is. The idea of fellowship and to come together. Those that would continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine were those that, according to Acts 2.41, that gladly received His word, the preaching of the gospel, And they were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. Dear friends, when we look at the fellowship that the church had at this time, that is the fellowship in which we can embrace. The idea of fellowship is a communion, or a sharing in common, or a partnership. And when we see how they continued daily together, they were with one accord, They were together, simply put, in verse 44. It makes me think of the old television show that was on many years ago called Quantum Leap. If you remember, it was a story about a scientist who had been dealing with time travel, and he stepped into this chamber, and it leaped him all through life. It would leap him into the lives of one individual, Uh, or into the lives of others, and it would leap him into the life of an individual that would make things right that were not correct before. And it was a very interesting show, and I won't tell you how the last show ended in case you decide to watch it sometimes, but I will say this, that with that show has prompted me that if I could step into a time travel chamber and go back to a period of time that I would love to see, it would have to be the day of Pentecost, when there were 3,000 people added to the church of our Lord. And what a great fellowship they had, and what great things they were doing. You know, when we think about fellowship, and consider this even a little bit more, listen to the words of 1 John 1 and verse 7 that speaks to the Christian. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. That great fellowship that we have one with another, striving the same way, helping one another along life's way, how beautiful that is, 
that we can have fellowship with Christ and fellowship one with another. That is His church, dear friends. Have you ever stopped to think that what we just read, we're reading about the church that we read of in the New Testament, the pre-denominational body of Christ? And you know, dear friends, when I say pre-denominational, that means that if I were to go back in that time machine and ask any of those individuals who were risen with Christ in baptism, what denomination are you a member, they would look at me with a strange look because there was nothing preached about denominationalism in Acts chapter 2, but simply the church of which we are to be a part. And it's only appropriate, dear friends, that the author, the Redeemer, and the Intercessor is in fellowship with His church. After all, it is His body. We see that from Colossians 1, verse 18 and verse 24. Specifically, verse 18, And He, speaking of Christ, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. Dear friends, the author, the Redeemer, the intercessor, to think that He is in fellowship with His church, and we are in fellowship with Him, and with others who are obedient to the gospel of Christ. Dear friends, if I were to ask them, what denomination are you a member? They would look at me strange and simply say, we're a member of the church of which we've been added. We're a member of the body of which this is the church, and we're going to serve in His way. Dear friends, the beauty of that is, you can be a member of that same pre-denominational body, the church of our Lord, this very day. Because the great salvation is within the church, within His body. When we read Acts 2.47 while ago, we read that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The Lord adds individuals who are obedient to the gospel to His church. Those like on the day of Pentecost, that when they hear the gospel preached, and they believe those words and ask what they are to do, they are told to repent and be baptized that their sins would be washed away or remitted, and they are added to the church. Dear friends, it's that simple. And that church still exists to this very day. It's a great salvation, dear friends. And let's mention here, finally, about a great judgment. You know, as we note from Hebrews 9.27, the Bible says, And it as, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Think about as we begin our lesson of the great ships or the massive ships in James 3 and verse 4. And how massive and great that day will be for those who are prepared to meet the Lord. That great judgment that when man dies, his next part of eternal life, he will stand before God on the day of judgment. That once we pass from this life, the judgment of Christ will be near. Dear friends, from time to time we sing a hymn in worship that says, There's a great day coming, a great day coming, there's a great day coming by and by. When the saints and the sinners shall be parted right and left, are you ready for that day to come? There is a great day coming. And dear friends, if I am ready, if I am prepared, that is going to be a massive day of salvation for the ones that are prepared. Dear friends, we have talked today about a great salvation. A great salvation that we learn of through the Bible, that we understand that through a study of the Word of God, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, 
Romans 10 and verse 17. That when we read and we hear, we're able to understand what is being taught as Jesus made that plea in Matthew 15.10. Then when we understand and we hear, we believe Christ. That we understand from John 8.24, except we believe that He is the Christ, we will die in our sins. And that without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. We mentioned moments ago of the beauty of repentance that Peter mentioned in Acts 2 and verse 38. It is not surprising that Peter would preach repentance, for Jesus himself, walking upon this earth, said in Luke 13 verse 3 and verse 5, Nay, I tell you, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Not only did Peter preach repentance on the day of Pentecost, but even in his writings years later in 2 Peter 3, 9, he taught us how God was so long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance is a change of decision that results in a change of direction. And dear friends, we're taught to repent. To confess Christ as He commanded us in Matthew 10, 32 and 33. To see the confession of that eunuch in Acts 8 and verse 37 when he stood and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then the eunuch went down into the water with Philip and was baptized. Why was he baptized? Because no doubt Philip taught of salvation in Christ. And he taught of baptism. As he taught those Samaritans, or those in Samaria rather, in Acts 8 and verse 12, no doubt instructed the same to the eunuch. We understand that Peter even said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Baptism will wash away the sin of an individual who is obedient to his will, Acts 22 and verse 16. And that's how we're placed in Christ, Galatians 3 and verse 27. Dear friends, that's why this salvation is great. It is a great author, a great redeemer, a great intercessor, great fellowship, and a great judgment if we will be but ready. Let's continue our studies together, shall we? Thank you for joining me today on the International Gospel Hour. I'm Jeff Archie, and dear friends, keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We hope, first, that it glorified God. But second, we hope that it edified you. Listen to it again if you need to, or to other lessons in this series by going to the Media tab at our site, internationalgospelhour.com. Oh.